Hello, I am Francis Lombard, and welcome to Portrait of an Editor, Cropped, episode number 16. Two notes regarding this episode. If you have not seen the Batman yet, spoiler alert, there are a bunch in this discussion that Will Dennis and I have, and now you've been warned. Will also mentions his love for Frank Miller and Dave Manzichelli's Batman Year One. Two years ago, we had a great conversation about that, and it is still available uh, for free, uh, and you can find it under Crop Episode Number 4. Now here's our talk about The Batman. Enjoy. Welcome back, Will. Um, Got another episode of Cropped for, I guess, probably April. I think we skipped March. How's it going? Good. I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. The months don't mean anything anymore. Francis. It's, you know, time is a flat circle. I'll have to apologize to our listeners that, yeah, we, we try to make this a month, but uh, actually we, we were working on getting this scheduled because we want to do something different. And the next cropped, which you guys will probably hear maybe even back to back on this, it all depends on uh, other episodes I record you'll see what we're doing different. So I will explain that in um, the recording that we have and what coming up in about 45 minutes. But today we want to talk about that movie that everybody's been waiting for. Not Spider-Man, the Batman. Um, (laughs) Did you see Spider-Man first? Did you see the Spider-Man? No, no. I like the other Spider-Man movies a lot, actually, but I didn't see it yet, so... To be honest, I've been sort of slacking on my Marvel stuff because I think I'm a little burnt out. But I did see Spider-Man, and I recommend it. And if you get a chance, go see it, Will. Oh, cool. So we want to talk about the Batman because, well, we've talked about Batman before on Cropped, and Will has actually had the pleasure of editing three Batman series that have sort of echoed throughout time, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm not sure pleasure. Pleasure is not the first <laughs> word that comes to mind. But, but yeah. uh, they probably, I mean, they've added and they probably influenced even what we see in the media, other mediums. But what is it? Batman Broken City, Batman the mm-hmm. Joker, and then, of mm-hmm. course, the infamous Batman Damned. Um, right. All with Brian Azzarello and... Uh, what is it? Uh, Lee? Was it? Uh, Lee? Yeah, Lee Bermejo did Joker and Damned, and Damned. Uh, Eduardo Riso did uh, the first one, The Broken City. I really enjoy Broken City. I sort of think think about it every so often, and I think I, I've read it a few times. I'll have to go dig it up again because I bought the the actual issues, but I really enjoyed that, and that came right after Hushed. I mean, our Hush, mm-hmm. which was uh, mm-hmm. so. Um, and you saw the Batman yesterday too right yeah yeah we, we, both, we both saw it Fresh, and crashed in my mind there's even a reference to hush in that in it at one point at least the word hush shows up so i don't know if mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. consider it a uh, easter egg so what do you think of it i liked it i mean i really liked it actually i'm just pleasantly surprised i think it's the best batman movie in my mind you know i liked it better than any of the other ones so, except maybe the Batman 66. <laughs> That's a whole other ball of wax. But, um, yeah, it's funny. Even as you talk, like, I started just thinking back on Broken City just now and thinking about, like, some, like there's elements even from that that I can see with, like, some of the roads and some of the, you know, the mystery elements to it. The woman, she disappears, and there's, like, the gangster element and everything. Like, it's kind of interesting, but 
Um, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I don't know. I can only like these movies so much. Like, there's a point when I just write them off to a certain extent. I don't know. It looked great. The soundtrack was great. Like, some of that sort of stuff. But, you know, we can get into some of the pros and cons of it. But, yeah, overall, I mean, I would I would say I would recommend people to see it. This is shocking coming from me. I, I would recommend it, too. I came out of it going... I just, I don't know. I, well, first, the soundtrack has gotten its hooks into me. I was listening to yeah. the soundtrack weeks before seeing the movie, and mm-hmm. uh, um, which I didn't want to spoil it. So I walked in with not really knowing much at all other than the trailers I'd seen about the movie. I managed to avoid a lot of things. So I liked it. I wasn't blown away by it. And, and the thing right. is, for me, is I'm a big fan of... Uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, the last three, and Matt Reeves directed the last two of those three. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was really looking forward. Style-wise, style, style wise, I mean, it's Gotham City. I'm not going to complain about that. Even he, the Batman's costume like makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, sound, the look of it is great. Um, there's some great Batman stuff, like the opening moment sequence sort of montage mm-hmm. that leads up to the subway scene was like i mean right up there with batman if you want to introduce a character that's a great introduction love that we didn't have to go through the stupid origin yet again right 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 right. (laughs) just yeah i was surprised they stayed away from that i was pleasantly surprised by that too they sort of either assumed you knew it or they hinted at it enough about it we didn't have to have some flashback of another kid like on his knees crying or whatever you know it was sort of that rip off of the Frank Miller with the pearls ripping apart and falling to the ground and that, all that imagery from uh, mm-hmm, the dark Knight, mm-hmm. basically the one thing and seeing you did edit the Joker hardcover. I just really don't want to see the Joker, not because of Heath Ledger and mm-hmm. the tragic end that he, you know, happened to him or how amazing his performance was. But when you think about a character who's been around for 80 years, there's so many more things you go, so many places you could go. And they did. Like, this was a a movie-long mystery that was serious about its mystery, Mm -hmm. which was great, and really brought up the detective stuff. But the Joker elements, and today we're talking, Matt Reeves just released that five-minute scene. I don't know if you you haven't seen it, but it has, it was edited from the movie, where Batman goes to the Joker to try to get some information. You can find it online. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad that wasn't in there then, it's actually. not the greatest scene, really. I can see why I mean, they what they had it. in there, I felt, was like it almost went on too long, like that scene later with the, you know, I mean, it's a nice little Easter egg, but I felt like I would, I was hoping or wishing it had been like one of the end of credits kind of scene and like a lot shorter. So you would have just gotten the, I like, Oh, is that who that is? But like, you know, they stayed in that scene with them in the Arkham, you know, for, it felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, but it felt really long and like really fleshed out, you know, like I really felt like that could have been like a, you know, one of those Marvel, like, you know, one minute teasers at the end and just like mm-hmm. show them laughing and giggling or whatever. And, pull out of the scene you know but yeah i, I don't yeah stuff like that you know right because i do i did love the fact that essentially it's like a, you know it's like a murder it's like a mystery it's like a crime you know i like that part of it a lot but like the detective aspect of it i think that was smart they kind of went that direction with it but do you feel that we really need to see the joker again and in- you know this is my problem with all these things including this movie like the mystery stuff was cool the city was great 
the Catwoman stuff I liked. I, I don't know why there needs to be quite so many layers of villains or villain, you know, villain adjacent characters, you know, like, I don't know why they need to burn through Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, Falcone, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I could have done without maybe one less of, or one more, you know, I don't know why you need that, but that's the kind of stuff. I mean, it's even the end, like the huge ending, which I didn't, see coming but it's just like one of those movies where it wasn't as bad as dark knight in terms of like dark knight had like three climaxes or something right it felt right. like every time you thought it was done it was another huge thing like this sort of felt like it was almost done and then all of a sudden they cut and there's this giant set piece with the flooding and all that stuff and you know i mean it was cool but like it's su- then suddenly like we go from this close kind of seven-esque fincher detective thing to there's a giant explosion the giant flood and batman's just like one dude who's like you know like what you're really going to save all the people in new york gotham city or whatever that are going to drown in a giant flood like it's just like when when they start to put i hate when batman stuff starts to put things in that superhuman scale for him to deal with because you know like he he's slightly more equipped than like a daredevil, but to me, he's like a daredevil character. Like he's a human who's pushed himself to the point of, you know, excellence, but like, he's like, that's a problem for green lantern to scoop all that water up with a fucking giant fan or something and blow it out to sea. Like, you know, I mean, it just, like that's the kind of stuff, but I just feel like they, they must just be under intense pressure to deliver those moments, you know, which is then why you also get under huge pressure to deliver like the Joker, as opposed to just one of the other rogues and sort of build up to, the, you know, like even the business of like, okay, so the city, you think it's being run by this guy. Later you find out it's run by someone else. What if you just told the Joker back and it's really being run by him, but you, it takes you three movies to figure that out or whatever. Like, I don't, you know, like, why do you need to like, so now the next, so volume two empire strikes back is really about the Joker. Well, that seems weird to me too. It's like, well, then put him in the first one and just make it the Joker. Like, go for it. What are you going to do? Hold him back for two more movies or something? Like, I, I don't know. You know, maybe they don't think in. I mean, I would think they think in terms of trilogies or more, whatever it is. But I guess there is an idea of a trilogy. So the the he Reeves and um, Patterson, yeah, uh, is they're together for a trilogy. So, but the movie hasn't. I mean, it's done well, but it's not blowing the doors off. So right. I'm got a bad feeling that the executives are going to suggest that um, they bring in Joker again, you know, because mm-hmm. that worked the last time they did it. But I, I really, yeah, right along with what you're saying is that why don't you give us something a little different or build up towards him or, I don't know, the moment... Probably because the problem with the Joker is now that he's been introduced that, you know, people are going to expect and fan, you know, from his suits on down, they're going to be expecting him to show up at one point. And they, you know, mm-hmm. it's the whole, what is it, showing the gun at the first act, you're probably going to mm-hmm. eventually have to fire it. You're caught in that, maybe they'll hold off because what about they could, you know, you got a city surrounded by water. Killer Croc could show up. I don't know who other, you know, wet, you know, villains that live in the subway. I mean, in the the sewers could show up, but there's Killer Croc. Mm -hmm. There's Penguin already introduced. Poison Ivy could be introduced. I mean, 
we could sit here and spend the next 45 minutes talking about the various rogues that we could bring in that would actually challenge Batman in different ways that we've never seen on screen. And what you're talking about, too, is that what you should have done, because it's really interesting in the movie, too. I mean, the whole big explosion thing, they didn't even bother having him try to race around, you know, discover it just in the nick of time, Mm -hmm. race around to try to blow, you know, stop the explosions. It's like too late, dude. You know, second time that they did it in the movie, you didn't arrive in time, which Mm -hmm. that would have been interesting, something to explore. I mean, it felt like that was an interesting twist, but it wasn't something, you know, they really explored that he is only human and sometimes he shows up way too late. Yeah, there was a few moments, because even some of the stuff with Falcone and some of those, like basically like Catwoman is like figuring it out. Like there's moments where he doesn't, like he's a little behind the, you know, like a step behind, Mm -hmm. which I like. I like from the standpoint of like being Batman year one, like it's my favorite superhero comic like ever made, right? Which we've talked about. (laughs) Yeah, which captures that feeling of him being learning and the learning on the job and the novice kind of elements of it, which I don't know, but I didn't get the impression that that was essentially like the intention because they don't really explore it, you know, um, as like a character flaw or as a character thing or any, you know, that's no comments on it. Like there's no kind of thing. It's like literally just sort of like some of that. I always feel like, are they just reverse engineering backward, you know, backwards, like connecting some of these dots that they know they need to connect, you know? I mean, there definitely was a fault of there's moments, two or three moments where there's big info dumps, you know, where, where suddenly they start, you know, the Torturo's talking and going, and then I did this and then I did that. And then I did this and then, you know, or like even that phone call, the girl getting murdered, it's like, Oh, and then when you found this thing and now you said, you know, and it's like, okay, okay, okay. We got it. You know, like there's definitely those kind of, and maybe they just feel you need to do that in the midst of a, you know, a thing and it's broad mystery. So you can't, it can't be something as ambiguous as like a Chinatown where the reader, the viewers like be made to connect the dots themselves. And there's a lot of ambiguity, but it's a little annoying from the standpoint of anyone who knows anything about like noir film, noir fiction, which this is obviously leaning very heavily on. That's like a hallmark of it. Like there's all this ambiguity and that there's, that they're, you know, it's the choices that people make and the consequences of violence and stuff just happens. People just get killed all the time. Violence happens all the time and not all the dots connect. Like, you know, that, that was really like a reaction to the sort of Sherlock Holmes, Helcu Poirot sort of, you know, I'm going to connect all the dots for you kind of fiction, you know? I mean, it was like, that was like that very like American ideal of, you know, we're going to do these things and this is what life is. And this is what happens at the mean streets of the city. And we're not going to connect all the dots for you. But I mean, obviously that's asking a lot of a broad popcorn, like tentpole movie for a Warner brothers. So those are the moments when, and I just get frustrated from the standpoint of like, I can like it to an extent. And then it loses me because I feel like, geez, I wish they would just put all this time and energy and effort and look into like if you could do it in an original property, like a Blade Runner, like a Chinatown, like a thing, and it's like, and you could, you know, you don't need it to be quite so neat and clean, you know, and mm-hmm. and I mean, in terms of it doesn't look neat and clean, but in terms of the storytelling and the dot, you know, there's no unconnected dots by the end, right? You know, and and, and even the business before the big scene when the Riddler is kind of like you haven't figured it out or whatever, like 
that was a kind of a cool moment to be in a movie, but it's like, you know, the, the sort of vertigo alternative me is saying like, I just want the end that looks like the end of fight club, you know, like blow up the city. And then like, let's just end, <laughs> you know, like, like when we then suddenly everybody who's important is in Madison square garden and like the mayor's running around, we haven't even seen or been introduced to or care about the whole movie basically. Yeah. Now suddenly like she's a key player in the end and she, you know, and you're just sort of like, wait, and everyone happens to be there. And like every cop that Gordon asks, like, where do I find the mayor? And some beat cops like, I'll show you, you know, where, how do I get up to that, you know, loft and some other fireman appears, I'll show you, you know, and it's like, okay, okay. Like, calm down, fellas. Like, can we just have something here that's happening that doesn't, you know, that isn't like just, you know, breadcrumbs leading me right back to the witch's cottage, you know, <laughs> but, you know, that's not the nature of these kinds of things. So it's, it's unfair probably of me to like apply those expectations. Well, let's, let's just reset that. I think at the beginning, we both said we liked the movie. So <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, did, I mean, there's saying, you know, like I said, but, I mean, the feel of it, I thought his performance is great. I love yeah. the Bruce Wayne stuff. Like I thought the Bruce Wayne stuff, I love like they, they kind of emo, like reclusive weirdo kid as opposed to the playboy like i always get annoyed by that portrayal particularly in this day and age when everybody knows everything about everybody like the only way for him to maintain any of this stuff would be to basically just disappear from you know the idea that he could be in elon musk kanye west in the public eye playboy and batman is insane you know like i mean it just wouldn't happen with like uh, social media and photographers and everybody's got a phone in their pocket and and everything else you know (laughs) so it's just like i like i thought that stuff was cool i mean the alfred stuff i don't he was kind of underutilized but you know i liked i like i mean as an actor he's great and it was kind of cool to see him in a a human role as opposed to like you said like whether he's a you know (laughs) playing the apes or Gollum or whatever like you know i mean and i like the antagonistic relationship i thought was kind of cool i got a little bored of the you know the the sort of pj woodhouse like you know version of like you know alfred there with a silver tray and a cell phone on it you know do you think that was kind of cool one of the things about noir is that you know it's all a character's faults you know, right. eventually coming back to haunt them. And, you know, they're, you know, basically the the last big noir movie was Nightmare Alley. It was a remake of mm-hmm. a classic noir movie where the actor whose name I forget, you know, he was a big, you know, Saturday matinee sort of, and then he decides to do this dark character, really dark character, and now it's a remake. And that is as noir as it gets, especially the ending. And you see how his faults all play out uh, in Nightmare Alley. And I think you touched upon something and maybe that's where it is, is that could they have gotten away with, you know, gone, done away with the big action sequence? Because you know what, by the honest, when that started happening, I'm like, okay, it's going to be, as you just mentioned, the breadcrumbs, it's going to hit all the buttons and we're going to see what's going on. And, you know, it, you know, it's something will save them or whatever. You know, I knew what was going to happen, you know, once Catwoman figured her way up and, and stuff like that. But, it didn't really get into the mistakes he made because he make, makes a mistake. Uh, should, well, I'll make there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Makes the mistake. Yeah, we've, with already, <laughs> yeah, no. we've already spoiled it. If with Falcone, um, he does make mistakes, and there is you know the moment when Falcone gets shot, he is feeling 
you know, he realized he made a mistake. He is behind, as you were mentioning, a bunch mm-hmm. of steps behind the villain. Maybe if that was played up and you could have had a Chinatown-like ending where mm-hmm. would have been much more satisfying than let's blow up the city and flood it and have this big, huge thing. Because I was sitting there wondering, what is the ending here? Where are we going from right. insane asylum to this? Because it seems like the setup of him, that realization, yeah, that how did I help this guy? How did I really right. help? Which it would have right. been like that fight club reveal of like, oh my God, I mean, all throughout the whole movie, you know, I, I you know, once again, it's a big tent and pole movie. They are limited by, you know, they have all this budget, so it looks great. Gotham City looks amazing. Yeah, Gotham looked amazing, yeah. The Batmobile. But even yeah, that, that cool. sequence was like a little, needed to have a little oomph to it, like a French connection, mm-hmm. L.A., you know, live and die in L.A., you know, what freaking brought, kind of like, what mm-hmm. are these guys after? What's going on other than grabbing the penguin? Um, it looked great, it, but it, it really, I think they didn't go far enough down to like noir. Let's face it. Chinatown was a tentpole movie. Chinatown was the big movie of the year mm-hmm. that it came out. I mean, these, mm-hmm. you know, Gr- French connection was the big movie that the year it came out. I mean, audiences used to flock to this stuff and be willing to see it in big Hollywood productions. Yeah. I mean, think of the ending of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That was like the biggest yeah. movie of the year that came out. And yeah. you know, the ending is two guys jumping off a cliff and we don't know what happens no, to them. No, it's, you know? no, that's not, that's them getting caught. They're being, they're, no, that's not oh, jumping yeah, yeah. off the cliff. It's mm. them running out of the bank running right, out of right, the right, ammo right. and then right, a freeze right. frame, a freeze frame of them running right, out right, as, right bullets right you start hearing bullets yeah but like it's just sort of like no no no, it's good but it's like yeah i mean i wish that they had done some of that stuff i mean there were moments like that like even like little things where they you know they're talking about the club within the club you know where the guy runs the whole operation but then late you know which sounds like okay that's and, and neither him nor gordon knows about it you know, like, which is kind of weird. You're a detective. You don't know that this giant club that's like the centerpiece of Gotham also has a VIP club in this, you know, inside it. Like, I don't know who doesn't know that about every club in the world, probably. But but then also then then Catwoman tells a story that like her mom worked there when she and then she was a kid going to the same place. So you're talking about a place that's been in Gotham for 20 you know, years, tw- 20 plus years. And like nobody know you know he doesn't know gordon doesn't know you know that they're like wait there's a club within a club like and it was just like what are you guys doing like what you know like things like that they just seem like kind of like why, why did it have to be like when she's telling that story like why does it have to be that club like why can't it just be any club that he owns vip exclusive clubs have a very usually generally have a really short shelf life like you know is like the rainbow room like the top of like the rockefeller center or something you know i mean and i think um like uh, you're i don't know you've probably read enough james elroy in your time but Mm -hmm. you know thinking of elroy right now of like all these you know they'd have you know his mom it sounds like the mom was a working girl elroy talks about all throughout la all these various you know madams who you know work with the cops and stuff i mean and then they have various you know, places where the politicians go. And those are the secret ones. I mean, it, but once again, we're talking about a movie that's international and that's rated PG. We're not talking about LA confidential. We're not talking about Chinatown. We're talking, you know, but once again, is it its own trap where as you, as an editor 
of Batman at times have to really look at his questions and Batman's flaws really, 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 there's plenty of flaws. There's plenty of background that you could generate stories, even though every day seems to be filled with Batman, a, a new Batman story. It just seems like what we're picking at right now is ways that you could have made a movie maybe two hours long with mm-hmm. a, a re- and really played up the mystery because I think the best part of this movie is we both agreed it was the aspect of really them trying to do a mystery and mm-hmm. trying to do a mystery that you, the thing about like noir is like, you like doing a mystery because it's not about, I mean, as they journey down trying to find out what, who got murdered, it reveals so much about like, once ago, going back to Chinatown about Jake Kitties, you know, mm-hmm. reveals mm-hmm. about the, the, what he's been carrying around the baggage he carries around or, or other, you know, detectives within that genre. It usually reveals something, an open wound that hasn't healed and they're trying to make up for something. And of mm-hmm. course, Batman is that he's trying to make up for that, the murder of his family that he will never solve it. And the one thing I hate about these movies, even with Nolan's movie is that there's an answer I mean, I'm maybe I'm a purist when Batman, it needs to, there never can be an answer. It has to be, he never finds out. He doesn't even have a clue who killed his parents because that would be, allow him to figure yeah. it out. It should be yeah. obscure. I, yeah, I always, guy. that's what I, I hated that about the very first Batman movie. Yeah. Because the, the beauty of the original origin, like the Joe Chill or whatever the hell the guy's name is, I think that kills the parents. Even giving him a is name exactly. Kills- yeah but it was at least then it was it was the randomness of violence it was like how fleeting life is and you know and just like sort of that sentiment you know and yeah like in the original batman with nicholson when they you know they reveal that he was the guy that was the shooter or whatever you know it was just like why like what are you doing because yeah like you said i mean i always like azrael has always made the case that the craziest character in batman is batman because he thinks he can stop crime. Like he thinks that he can stop human nature. He thinks that there's a cure for all of this and that somehow he's going to be instrumental in it. When in fact, only a crazy person would think that, you know? So he, he's always argued. He's like, he's the craziest person in the whole thing, because at least the villains understand even Joker, even the crazy villains like that understand like how insane that is. And like, just how, you know, like, futile it is and like it's you know it's just that the only crazy person in gotham is really batman thinking that he can somehow not make a difference he can make a difference but like that he can somehow fix this he can end this he can like keep it forever you know and it's like that's insane you know and (laughs) brian has always pitched that idea and you know been roundly kind of shot down (laughs) as a thing but it is funny to see how much of the stuff that we have worked on has made its way into these things you know i mean whether it's like the look of joker in the dark knight movie you know like lee's drawings for the joker hardcover way earlier than like the depictions of heath ledger when you first saw the thing mm-hmm. you know like predated that by a couple of years like the you know his initial drawings of like the joker with the cut face and the smeared lipstick and all that like you know, and he was basing it off of a lot of, you know, like a Robert Smith kind of lots of weird kind of gothic music kind of crap and a lot of that crap, but stuff like along more along those lines. Yeah, I mean, he, he Bermeo's all over this thing. That suit is like, yeah, I've seen Lee draw that suit a hundred times, you know, with the, the, the padding and the ridging and all of the stuff. And, you know, it's all layered and sewn together. I mean, you could do a search on that, you know, Lee Bermejo Batman costume and 
it's right there. I mean, he was in the, I mean, it was fun to see a lot of those guys' names in the, you know, the special thanks at the end, you know, to see Brian's name, see Lee's name, Scott's name. Like, I mean, that, that was cool. They were all there. And, you know, they should be there because it's definitely, there's a lot of that stuff. It's all over it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the aspects that were the kind of year one aspects, but I, yeah, I almost wish at least in year one, it was like, there was more sense of in his narration, like, Oh, I messed this up or here's what I need to do the next time. You know, like he was, it was clearly someone trying to learn this practice of this, <laughs> you know, thing, and, and, you know, and you got some of those vibes in this, but like you say, then suddenly, I don't know, suddenly the third act or whatever, you know, the climax, it's just like, you know, I, I'm always going to lose that argument, obviously, but it's, um, you know, that's the part where I start to like, be like, you know, I've been here for two hours, 15 minutes. Like, do I need another, you're telling me there's another 25 minutes of this or something, you know, like that's the point when I start to like, look at my watch a little bit, you know, and that's what keeps me from being like, Oh my God, I loved it. It was amazing. You got to go see it. I mean, I think there's enough there that I would say, yeah, go see it. It's in painting. It's interesting. It looks great. He's great. Catwoman is great. Tuturo is amazing as always. Go check it out. It's fun. But like, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, but if you want to ask me from a comic book editorial standpoint, like these are the things that I would start to like drill down. Into it's, it's really funny. I had just finished uh, watching Miller's Crossing. No, that's like my, that might be 30, my all time favorite movie. 36 hours before watching John oh Turturro play. <laughs> look, look, in, look in your heart. Look in your heart, Tom. Yeah. Oh and, my and, God. I mean, how dark can you get with Miller's Crossing with Tom and just, and then that's a movie that sort of got lost in the shuffle, really, when it came out, Miller's Crossing. But when you mm-hmm. watch it and watch it again, you're like, oh, geez. I mean, and once again, and I think people are had finally caught up with this movie. I mean, the plotting and him sitting there pensively like Batman, like working it out. You can tell, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. watch it. I'm like, this is that, those are the moments he's working everything out when he doesn't go to sleep. You know, when he's sitting on the edge of the bed, smoking, right. And he's right. working these things out. And then you realize that all this stuff he's worked out, you know, and some things, a couple things went his way, but you know, and then of course, John Turturro, I think that was the one, movie that he sort of began well it was barton fink and then that one they were back to back that's when he sort of really popped on the scene but watching him then and then watching him in batman is interesting i mean the guy can oh yeah no you know, i mean I, yeah i've loved him ever since you know miller's crossing i went to see it an opening night with oh, my wow. kid brother and we were the only two people in the theater it was at ithaca it was a state theater and this upstairs theater and like i think we were literally the only two people there and it was based solely on Raising Arizona and Blood Simple were like, which I love both those movies. So then this one, and you know, this came out and it was just like, oh my God, I used to have in my, I, I wasn't, was it in my, was I, I don't know what year it was at. I don't know if I was still in college. I had one of those huge, like those subway posters that they used to sell, mm. you know, those ones you could mm-hmm. buy. Like they were like the huge wall ones. And I had like a Smith's one. I had like a Cure one, but I had a Miller's Crossing one too that was like, it was just the, it was just like the trees and the hat, like sitting in the middle of the thing. And yeah. And then Totoro is in like state of grace, which is like another one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's, he's always good. He's always good. And his kid works at DC and worked in the back group for, or worked at Vertigo and in the back group for a long time. Oh wow. When Doyle was there. Yeah. He started as an intern at DC and then he left. And then when they moved to California, he got hired on like full time. 
So he actually helped. He was assisting a little bit on the Batman Dam when we were working on that, but then they switched it over at some point because I think he moved to like a different group or something, but he might still be there. You know, going back to the noir thing and sort of the movie that we would have liked to see that's Batman, there was narration. There was him learning stuff, and it, then it sort mm-hmm. of gets dropped. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I just, I think what it, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we could probably talk about this forever, but I think it's sort of the, it's, a, it's trapped within its own success. Because I can feel like there's a Nolan, you know, the, because the Gotham is building on what Nolan did, obviously, mm-hmm. and then certain things of that success of that. But it, it's just sort of, you know, they're willing to spend all this money on Batman because it is a, a universally recognized character. But because of that, you you can't get into the real appeal of Batman, of him being a human, taking advantage of, you know, having the money, him, and that even we talk about, you know, um, they, they even talk about, well, he could have done, you know, he can do a lot of good with just his family's money. You know, mm-hmm. he can probably do more good in the world with his money than he could as a vigilante at night. But sure. they talk about that, they hint at that, you know, Alfred seems to be angry that he's letting everything slide. Um, and just, I don't know, because it's expected to be this big bombastic thing and that costs a lot of money, you can't be small. You can't be like the Coen brothers struggling mm-hmm. to put together a, a third movie that, you know, is just for a group of people that takes a while to get going and just sort of is intermittent, you know, has these, I don't know, these dark moments and this brooding character and stuff like that. And just works so well and left me with more of an emotional sort of, I don't know, dealing, <laughs> you know, I've seen this movie, I think, and I've seen Miller's Crossing over the years, like for half a dozen times, but every time I come back to it, it still gets me, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's still a new viewing, but I'll maybe probably will see Batman, the Batman one more time. And you know, we'll move on. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense here. It just seems no, like you spend too I mean, much 100%. money. Don't spend the money, I guess. You know? <laughs> Except <laughs> well, for on the Batmobile. The thing, you know, <laughs> well, and I think it's tricky. I think that's, you know, I think that maybe that's what you're talking, hinted at at the top about. It's like doing well, but maybe it's not doing, you know, this is, a, I'm sure, and I'm sure for, front, you know, for, for filmmakers that have any kind of balls, it's probably a frustration because it's, you are kind of it's it becomes neither here nor there like it starts to feel like there's just enough of that kind of smaller darker picture that we've been talking about and just enough of the big summer blockbuster stuff but like once you put those together it it's like it's not really pleasing either audience you know 100 percent. like you said like yeah maybe i'd watch it again like if my kids wanted to go to it or somebody else but like and I would recommend people to go see it if they're into this kind of thing, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to like non superhero people. I know, you know, like, you know, like my dad, I'd say, okay, go see it. He likes sci-fi. He loves, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, yeah, go check it out. It's cool. But like, I wouldn't tell my mother only goes to kind of indie artsy films. I wouldn't say go see it. And like, you know, but I'd sure say like, yeah, if you haven't seen Miller's crossing, like I can't even talk to you. I'm not going to send you a mother's day card, you know? 
I mean, it's just like, if you know Miller's Crossing, you know me, is like basically what I would say to people, you know? So it's like, yeah, I don't know. So I, I'm sure, but I'm sure that they feel that on some level. I'm sure there's a certain frustration. I mean, that's why I feel like of the superhero movies, like the Guardians of the Galaxy to me is like the best one because it's just like, it was, it was like for my kids at the age they saw it, I think they were like eight and 10. I mean, they came out of the movie theater in the same way that I came out of the movie theater when I saw Star Wars. I was 10 years old. It was like opening weekend. My dad took us. He was huge into sci-fi, so he was dying to see it too. And like, you know, you you were like shot out of a cannon coming out of the movie theater because you were just like, holy crap. Like, like even though I'm only 10 years old, like I can now mark my life with before I saw Star Wars and after I saw Star Wars, you know, now 50 years later or whatever, like I have Star Wars fatigue, like you can't believe, but like in those moments, you know, but that was when my kids were with guardians. Like it was just like, Oh my God, they were fist pumping and so excited. And it was like just fun. And, you know, and they just leaned into all the goofy stuff and the music and like all, you know, it was just like a fun, cool, like they weren't trying to do all this other stuff. I think that's the problem. I mean, I think it's a problem with a lot of the DC movies is they don't really know what they are or who they are, you know, you know, and they've tried and it works best with the Batman stuff clearly, because those are the best DC movies by a mile. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because the other ones like they, you know, they, they want a little of this, they want a little of that. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. It's like, I'd love to see a Superman movie. That's just like a fun, cool Superman movie. Superman should be happy. He's got like the coolest powers. He's got the coolest, you know whatever it's just like i don't need him to be like batman adjacent you know like tortured by whatever it is he should just be like superman like you know what 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 you know every day is a good day i can do whatever the hell i want yeah i mean and then that, that's the last complaint i think like the last few even though i didn't mind them it was just you're trying yeah, to make were, him batman were, okay you're trying right. to make him batman instead of yeah he used to be like more of the richard donner even though i know that's got some 70s goof into it but they yeah, got but, you know. the performance of like it's the character it's the you know him and lois lane it's that back and forth that they have and just this sort of upbeat character. Yeah, that Howard Hawks, you know, mm-hmm. sort of snappy dialogue and all the rest. Yeah, and, you know, in my mind, he was always the mirror image of Batman. So yeah. there's no reason to make him Batman. Like, he's the opposite side of the coin, you know? Like, so, and he's not the two-faced side of the coin either, you know? So I come out of a Batman movie like this one feeling gritty and wanting to drive fast, you know? Which, I guess that's... <laughs> Uh, these go beyond nitpicks in my mind, but they also like, you know, it, to me, it just speaks to the overall framework of these movies and why I, you know, ultimately like I can't, you know, I think like the Spider-Man movies I really like because those also felt like tonally, like really, really on the mark of the, mm-hmm. the recent ones, you know, I, like yeah. I could see those again. I recommend those to people, et cetera. And the, and the guardians, you know, but once you get past that, it's like, I don't, I don't have any interest in seeing like any of them, you know, maybe black Panther, like maybe, you know, I liked a lot, but I, I don't like, I could live happily and never see another Avengers movie, you know, like, I mean, it's fine, but like, it's just like, uh, you know, after you're done with it, it's like, yeah, great. And it checked all the boxes. Like what's the next one, you know, like, I don't know. I don't want to be looking at it again, 20 years, but I could like, if we had time right now, I would watch Miller's crossing right now. <laughs> To know every line before they say it, but, you know. Well, I guess it's sort of neither fish nor fowl for Batman, uh, for the mm-hmm. Batman. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there is some good things about it. And I didn't feel like it was, like, killing me the three-hour runtime. Um, 
I was no. engaged and very happy to see a real mystery that lasts throughout the movie. And I mean, the visuals are just amazing. And you know, for Matt Reeves, no matter what, we can nickel and dime him over this, the writing and sort of character development. But the visuals were, I mean, just even bigger and better than you know what he's done before. And yeah. it's it, it's a great director to have on it. And it'll be interesting, you know, to see what the second time and third time you know, be like, I will, it's not like I'm going to swear off going to see a Batman movie ever again, but check yeah, it out. I'd be looking can. forward to that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I guess we, well, we got another interview coming up, so thanks for coming right. on and, uh, sure. and talking about the Batman. I hope we didn't scare everybody away and spoil the movie for him, but thanks, Will. <laughs> okay. Thank you.